But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to episode 98 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Today I'm joined by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Joe Townsend making his uh, second appearance. I said last week we've had Statman Steve. We've got a uh, transfer deadline Townsend. So uh, not quite the same ring, but maybe uh, he'll get a new nickname by the end of this. I can't believe that was on TV. As I always say, uh, the most coveted feature in all of podcast today. I can't believe that was on TV. We're ready to get back into that today with a little spin-off with uh, the uh, music video edition and the things that have happened from there. I'll have a quick disclaimer. I could be a bit rusty today. I just don't want anyone thinking they can get one over on me. If it could be a little glazed. Didn't get much sleep due to uh, my roommate snoring. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord. But anyway... Music videos, there's plenty to get into here. Most of them you will see a fairly common theme as to how music videos are sold these days and it hasn't changed much going back, but there's a couple of the dark moments in between. If I kick us off, something that I wasn't entirely sure about, I suppose it makes a lot of sense now, is when you look back at the uh, Britney Spears Baby One More Time video, and we've spoken about Britney Spears videos plenty on here, mainly for uh, what they taught you as a child. But... um. Did anyone else know she was literally 16 when that video came out and was recorded? Because I, I look at that a bit differently now. Like, if that came on the TV, I might have been, you know, raising an eyebrow. But now I know that. What? Oh, I don't really want to be looking at that like that. At least not now I know. That wouldn't stop you normally. She's older than us. It's fine. It's different rules. I suppose you can you could go by that. But one, how is that like a, like a thing? Because... So he dressing her up in school uniform as well makes that a, a bit more weird as well. And the thing is, as much as we've we've touched on as like a bit of a feature of growing up, there have definitely been blokes our age and older, probably older blokes are like in your office that would have been looking at me. Of course, she's a bit of an issue, you know. You know they would have. I've told I've told the story on here before. The first time I ever heard any notion of the word or sex of anything was a kid in my primary school who said that his dad wanted to have sex with Britney Spears. <laughs> And that would have been around this time. <laughs> so I don't know where he is now, but hopefully uh, behind bars. It's more immoral rather than illegal, though. 16, you know. <laughs> yeah, you've seen those tweets recently about uh, blokes describing uh, young birds <laughs> as, as a Scottish fiver. That's why for the sake of clarity, that was all. <laughs> if we uh, continue from there, because I don't want uh, AJ, of all people, tripping himself up. He's, uh, he's our path to... Uh, the big time when they do uh, eventually put triathlons in the Olympics. But uh, Stacy's mum was another one. And if we kind of gloss over uh, a young lad having a tug in a music video over 
his uh, friend's mum. Just something to make you feel old now. Stacy from the video is now 30 years old. What? How old does that make Stacy's mum? <laughs> she She's now 50 years old. Oh. And I was actually... I thought she was going to be older when I, when yeah. I heard that she was 30. But I suppose yeah, she was a Playboy sense. model at the time, so she was, wasn't really going to be pushing 40 at that point. Can now be found on a MILF's classic <laughs> and any Brazzers site you can find. <laughs> Well, I was looking at the kind of background behind the story and they said it wouldn't quite have had the same ring to it, but the writer, I uh, Fountains Away and I can't profess to know the bloke's name, but it was because his mate had a crush on his grandma. What? Yeah. He said his mate made a joke about uh, having a thing for his grandma and he said, I don't know how old she was, but he said that wouldn't quite fit into a song as well when he was looking back and so he would kind of play on having a crush on your mate's mum. That could have been a whole different song, couldn't it? <laughs> I think they're largely responsible for the phase of your mum jokes as well. I think a lot of it escalated after yeah. that. Yeah. We also need to look into that creepy masseuse in the video. He has that little grin towards the kid as he's uh, having a little little digging on the back. No questions being asked about Stacey's mum, by the way. Very provocative to this young man. We've just talked about Brittany being 16. He was, however young, and she's what, stripping off in the garden. He's mowing the lawn. Yeah. She's giving him the eye. You can see why he got the If the roles are reversed, stick. it's very, very creepy music video. Mm, if it's Stacey's dad, <laughs> we're going down a rabbit hole. Surely it was, it was all his imagination, though. No, like, in terms on. of he, no, saw, he looked at something. He looked he, at it in a certain way. He, it for me. Yeah, he, was, <laughs> he, he was having a tug. He's looked out of the window. She's having a dance with the hosepipe and getting out of the swimming pool. She knew what she was doing. And so that's why I can't believe it was on TV. Stacey is severely damaged at the end of this. Her boyfriend, not long been together, found tugging in a room over a mum. I don't know how she gets back from that. It wasn't even a bloke. It was meant to be her mate. She's invited him into her house. No, I I thought the whole concept was that Stacey fancied him, but he didn't want to get with her. He wanted the mum. He wanted the mum. That was the whole concept, wasn't it? And she sees the funny side also, walking and him having a tug. She just laughs it off and closes the door. Just... Finish up. We'll have a chat after. Tiny dick. <laughs> Tiny dick. Poor guy. If we go uh, from one controversy to another, then tattoo all the things she said, and this is maybe a sign yeah. of the times, that uh, I'll say plenty of controversy surrounded it. Top of the Pops had protesters asking them not to let tattoo perform. <laughs> the premise obviously being against school uniform was involved, so this must have been a sign of the times, but two uh, lesbian teenagers kissing in the rain and... That caused all the outrage in the world. If you if you look, so when I was doing the research, Richard and Judy came out and campaigned on their show to have it removed from British TV because it was inappropriate. Oh wow! Richard, the the Richard yeah, and Judy, the Richard and Judy. I am shook by oh, that. I don't know Richard and Judy. I I <laughs> the, the amount of, the, um, I don't know the back of that, that that's that. I, I feel like that was like either like a. A, a morning breakfast show or yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, but nah, they're dead to me. So uh, people quickly campaigned for Richard and Judy to get off. Yeah, so it's all right. <laughs> Evens out. Well, I remember um, 
I used to have swimming on a Friday, come back and watch Top of the Pops. <laughs> and and wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Rewind. You had swimming on a Friday. Talk us through it. Swimming on a Friday. Um, <laughs> and you've always criticised me for swimming on a Friday. <laughs> well, yeah, that was when I was back in school, so I wasn't really uh, having the chance to go to the cinema, do God knows what else. It's grown up a bit. Yeah. It? Matured. And He's I, grown out of it. And I had the choice to not do it. But yours is like, a, I have to be swimming on a Friday or the world is going to end. <laughs> I have to. You don't have to. But, so I'll have someone on a Friday, come back, watch Top of the Pops. You, you'd hope to have something good on uh, in the charts so you could watch that, whether it was Busted, McFly, anyone. This is back in the days when there was one computer for your household, so you couldn't just be jamming to whatever you wanted all the time. And I remember being the outrage of Tattoo on Top of the Pops and it was like a legit thing as to whether they were going to do this and like break every rule. They obviously bottled it. (laughs) But I remember that being quite a big thing at the time. If we move on then to another provocative video, this is the way things are going here. And if you uh, cast your minds back to Eric Prids and call on me. (laughs) uh, Voted hottest video of all time. (laughs) Uh, the little smirk from Alex tells me he knows. Um, they actually had two versions of this. One was for a post-Watershed, which um, showed them getting a little bit closer, but still nothing that you wouldn't mm-hmm. be allowed probably before five o'clock these days. Um, and the demand was so high for the video that the women uh, released an hour-long workout DVD. When you look back now, they say that... Um, the figures from online purchases revealed that a whopping 74% were from a male bank account. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. So that might tell you uh, people weren't tuning in to uh, get workout techniques. Can I just point out the whole floor in, in that vote? They won the vote for the hottest music video. Doesn't that show that there's a lot of music videos that shouldn't really have been shown on TV? <laughs> or like shouldn't really have been... Yeah. In that category. Well, we get on to another one that then this uh, started a theme from there. Unless anyone had any experiences from Eric Priz, they want to. Uh, do you remember that? Uh, do you remember that phase where we all said like, "Do you just had a missed call off someone?" And then we had a missed call, and like, a lot of us had like either like, someone had said something or there was a song left on it. And on my one, there was like a, a someone had been breathing, and then Eric Priz called on me <laughs> for like about thirty seconds, and then it just hung up, and we all like message each other and there was just random people who weren't really interconnected all saying yeah I had a random missed call as well was, everyone was tripping balls well there was a brief time where people were convinced it was me you were pretty much the only tenuous link I had to so many people <laughs> because I, one I of would, the, someone I had would, it with yeah. um, like a family guy clip or something or a South Park yeah. it was something like that but I also had the call yeah. I had a family guy clip played down the phone so <laughs> I still don't know who this was and I always admire with jokes like that if you can't reveal it because any big joke I have planned, I have to reveal it because I get too excited. So I couldn't keep it tucked for years to come. So if, if whoever is out there, if you, by chance you're listening, maybe Fesser, or maybe don't. The mystery is quite good. Come on the podcast. Talk <laughs> us through it. We'll do that. We'll do it like um, the crime like the crime watch programs. They can have their back. They can have their back with the mic the other way. <laughs> Me, TK, Alex will share the mic and we just won't reveal who you are. No, we'll change their voices. <laughs> Alright, carried on from there then. So, if anyone can remember uh, Christine Aguilera Dirty video, and we've had the debate yeah. on here before with uh, Christina and Brittany. I think Troy, of all people, was pretty passionate about it when we when we uh, got into it. 
but she received all kinds of backlash. Um, she was in like a Thai boxing gym where there was a leaky ceiling, there was water everywhere. She had crotchless trousers on and all sorts. But th- there's a conspiracy, not a conspiracy, there's um, some controversy here, which I didn't know about until uh, I was, I'll say looking into it, that sounds a bit more ominous. But <laughs> What are you going to have to? Doing that recently. But essentially, there was posters on the wall in this Thai boxing gym, or what was set up to be like a Thai boxing gym. But uh, the text on the posters that wasn't checked referenced um, underage Thai girls for sale. And so this video is banned from being played in Thailand because of the references that are on the wall that people don't know about on these posters. So someone has either got these posters cheap or someone in the production team has thought, this would be an idea for a laugh. <laughs> Plaster <laughs> them all over the walls. Great banter, yeah. that. Yeah, brilliant. Um I mean, e- even if you go into the backlash from this, if you take that out, people were already outraged about this. E Weekly described her, and I don't know what this means, as a skeezy reptile woman. <laughs> what? This was back when like print journalism was like the yeah. be-all and end-all. You had uh, the Village Voice, which I don't know how reputable these are, but this is one of the uh, backlash quotes, called her a xenomorph from the Alien franchise. And Kelly Osborne, of all people, chipped in here and called her a disgrace to women everywhere. Kelly Osborne. Kelly Osborne. Yeah, she said it was demeaning to women in music, and it uh, kind of made out that all they were good for was this kind of cheap video. I mean, that's implying that Christina Aguilera is the only female to ever do a video like that. I mean, the only thing she was guilty of at this time is clearly not dressing up in a school uniform. That's a, that <laughs> yeah. was the only thing at this point she wasn't doing, by the sound of it. I, I don't get I wouldn't say it was cheap at all. I thought it was well thought out. I thought I thought the cinematography was superb. It was imagery at its best. It was very have you could you name another music video like it? Alex showing his colours again. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't like Sun Hong Min and after what Byron's just said about this title, no, he, no, he likes what, the video what, for this. What what okay. I'm get, what okay. I'm what I'm getting at though is like you see when you stereotype like that sort of music video, I think that one stands apart. It's like it's memorable, and the fact that right. it's memorable and we're still talking about it today means that it works. So to say that it's yeah. cheap. Well, we go way back then for one that's still spoken about today, and this was uh, billed as the most controversial video of all time. Uh, Madonna, uh, Madonna, not Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little aside note, actually. So in in uh, in in Barca yesterday, I was a victim of uh, marketing, and they clearly knew they were targeting. So I've gone on the little uh, self checkout thing at McDonald's. I've been looking through the list. Uh, I thought I'll try something new. Muck Extreme, I see on the list. It's always going to rule you in. Disappointed. Basically, a big tasty with stranger cheese and more onions. So the only extreme was the amount of onion in there. (laughs) Disappointed, but no, that's uh, that's maybe where the muck is in uh, my head from. But Madonna, like a prayer. In summary... uh, she kisses a black Jesus. Uh, she jumps out of the sky and dances in front of burning crosses. And that's just the uh, opening minute. <laughs> <laughs> so she offended uh, re- the religious types everywhere. Yeah, people were outraged that Jesus could be black. You know where Jesus was from? As a, yeah, as a, I mean... He's probably not going to be very white. <laughs> he's probably not going to be a pale ginger guy. Don't rule yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say stuff to go over my head, but sun cream wasn't really too handy at the time, so it would have been, you couldn't have been. A slightly more positive one here, and we won't, we won't spend too long on this one, but uh, 
if you remember when the Robin Thicke uh, Blurred Lines video came out, what a uh, revelation uh, M. Ratajkowski was. I don't know if that was the main takeaway from it. That was the main takeaway. Another one who had uh, two videos and one where they had clothes on and one where they didn't. (laughs) So Ratajkowski was revealed to the world. But we can continue on from, again, Robin Thicke. And if you go to the VMAs of that year... (laughs) When he was performing with Miley Cyrus, who became an internet sensation with her attempted twerk on Robin Thicke, which was memed of all sorts with like a rubber chicken. My favorite was Sam Allardyce on the back of the- <laughs> <laughs> Sam Allardyce coming in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> and just uh, one final one then before we uh, get into some slightly more serious uh, topics. But we have uh, the 2010 VMAs, if we go all the way back there. Lady Gaga was nominated 13 times, you thought. She doesn't really need to make a statement here. There's already a lot of rumours about her she maybe want to steer clear from. She's surely going to win a couple of awards. She came dressed entirely made out of meat. She wore a dress that was made out of 40 pounds of Argentinian beef, to be exact, carved and shaped uh, by designer Franck Fernandez, who made her a matching hat, purse, and beef-wrapped heels to go with the look. And you would think maybe this is like a vegan demonstration or something. Well, maybe not vegan, but to oppose <laughs> vegans. I'm, uh, I'm a little off today. <laughs> but uh, this was all in favour of the military's don't ask, don't tell policy, and it was against governmental restrictions on gay soldiers' rights. She said it has many interpretations, but for me this evening, it's if we don't stand up for what we believe in, if we don't fight for our rights, pretty soon we're going to have as much rights as the meat on our bones. So oh, she. I mean, without her telling us that, I would have definitely obviously assumed that was the message. So oh, it got, it got clear, yeah. nice and clear. Mm. What a blinder she played, by the way. At the start of her career, just putting that out there that potentially she might have a dick. So everybody was just so more invested in her, just looking at every video being like, well, there's no dick there. They're photoshopping it out. And the amount of blokes had to backpedal because that, that just answered her first one, wasn't it? And everyone thought, oh, she's, she, she's all right. And then as soon as I, no, no, she's a hermaphrodite. I'm not, I'm not interested. I was never interested. I always hated her. I don't think anyone that's watched a um, Lady Gaga video has not looked out for it either. 100%. Like 100%. Obviously, you know, it's probably bullshit. It seems, it seems fairly. I'm, I'm not she ruling seems anything. Very feminine. 99% sure it's bullshit. I'm just not ruling anything out. But everyone's checked. <laughs> haven't they? <laughs> they I mean, haven't they? She, she's no stranger to controversy. I mean, if she go back, she had to do a statement uh, last week to say she was removing her song with R. Kelly. And you look back in the video, is her drinking a load and then uh, being fingered under a duvet by R. Kelly? Is the video to it's basically tight. say? Uh, are we talking? Are we going to go on to R. Kelly or? No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, the accusations are out there. They have all these newspaper headlines, and essentially, the whole point of the video is, look, we can move past these things. And now she's going, all right, backtrack here. Did she have a school uniform on? Shouldn't do that. Ten years too late. <laughs> that music video was ten years earlier. That would have been absolutely fine. Alright, this is the kind of uh, breakdown you only get on this podcast, which is probably for the best. But we'll move on now before uh, anyone says anything more that they uh, may regret. (laughs) Moving on then into some actual sport. It is January, the time of transfers, so we like to use up our time for these four weeks to uh, 
maximise any gossip there is, talk about any unbelievable rumours. We've had some highlights here, including uh, Hamid Rodriguez to Everton. So if anyone can top that, <laughs> then you'll give us maybe our best moment of uh, 2019 already. But if we kick off in the uh, gossip section then, and the Sun, reliable as always, are reporting West Ham's England striker Andy Carroll, 30 years old, has emerged as a shock contender to fill Tottenham's injury problems in attack. Could do a lot worse. If we go to Alex first. <laughs> Sometimes you just look, read something and you just know that you've just wasted that that two minutes of your life and you're never going to get it back. I don't understand what's the problem. He's better than the rent. Yeah, maybe if he's ever fit. I was going to say solving an injury crisis by solving Solve, by solving the Andy most Carroll injury is... bone injury players. It's literally just like why if you're going to if you're going to spend two million, go and put it somewhere else for Christ's sake. Why is he sake. only worth two million, by the way? It's purely because injuries. Or... Um, they're paying him ninety grand a week, so they're just desperate to get him off their wage bill. <laughs> and so I imagine Lorente's on a lot less as well. So and Levy isn't the type to fork out. So. He'd probably be asking West Ham to pay some of his wages, but yeah, you... that's that's literally the same. That's the that that's the same as putting on like a a two pound accumulator on a twenty fold team on the weekend. Is you just know that it's not really going to come in deep down, but the odd chance that it might. We know some people you could tell that to. He was linked with Chelsea last year, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> any, any big man centre forward was linked with Chelsea. Don't forget that. Well, the fact and, Crouchy, no, no, not even that. Any striker in the world. <laughs> the way Crouchy confirmed that Chelsea were legitimately in for just oh. any tall striker. But we're saying you wouldn't be thrilled with Andy Carroll then. W- would I be thrill- thrilled and Andy Carroll do not come in the same sense? I always think with Arsenal, like if we're not going to sign anyone good, then I'd rather we sign someone just horrendously bad just for <laughs> at least to have the enjoyment of going like fully the other way. <laughs> Um, is it Blackton that claims that um, Andy Carroll completely unplayable on his on day? On his day, yeah. yeah, And he swears by it. Yeah, Unplayable on his day. He is a problem on his day. He is. Yeah, yeah he causes Against issues. Arsenal and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Same as any tall striker can have a field day against us. So. Good job we didn't play one against you then. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because the Times are today reporting Chelsea manager Maurizio Sarri says he has no intention of changing his style of play following a defeat by Arsenal and claims it's up to his players to adapt to his, to adapt to his tactics. Brilliant. <laughs> so now it, now it seems as perfect a time as any to get into that game. I decided not to wear an Arsenal shirt because I didn't want to offend Townsend the second he walked through the door. I didn't have high hopes going into the game. You said you didn't have high hopes going in. Wasn't sure if you were trying to play the mental warfare game. We were off the back of a defeat to West Ham, which was what was uh, making me a little more wary. But no, after about 30 seconds, I thought, hang on, we're not doing too badly here. I think I texted you after about 20 seconds saying we're going to get absolutely destroyed. So it was very early on. As soon as Aspilicueta made a mistake, and I saw, like, you could see that the whole Chelsea team were just in absolute shambles. They didn't want the ball. Arsenal were just pressing really, really well, not giving them time on the ball. Straight away, it was it was just obvious what was going to happen. Because Sarri was never going to change Jorginho from being the main man. And Ramsey just marked him out of the game while he was on the pitch. And I think we saw for the first time uh, in one of our several breakdowns of Emery before the season even began, when we were talking about kind of essentially what we were reading about him, one of the big things was that supposedly he was all in on 
you plan specifically for your opponent all of the week you prepare for their style of play and you take it essentially week by week doing your drills and it looked like Arsenal had been specifically drilled to face Chelsea yeah specifically to cancel Jorginho out not let Hazard get the ball there was a few different clips like they showed they've shown at half time and at full time where Hazard would get the ball and there'll be three players around him and just not letting him play that's pretty much what Wenger didn't do at Arsenal he wouldn't adapt to play different teams. I've always said you need to adapt depending on the team you're playing. I bring that same bit up every time when we talk about this in that City documentary where Pep and Arteta laugh saying, well, we know the way Arsenal are going to play. Mm. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's as if Chelsea have swapped with Arsenal now where you've now got a manager that is willing to adapt and if you need to play counter-attacking football or play nice football or whatever, whereas Chelsea will just always try and play nice football whether it's warranted or not, whether that's going to get us the win or not. It's not even necessarily good football, is it? Just slow and passive. Yeah. Is... I think I think Chelsea's glare, like huge problem is that they're coming, they're just predictable. Um, mm-hmm. It is obvious that, I mean, they they haven't got a goal scorer, which we know. I mean, where does the, the only goals in that squad come from Hazard potentially? Um, and At the start of the season, they were scoring goals and they were, having someone up front, be it Morata or Giroud, even if they mm. weren't prolific themselves. Yeah. Just, they're a handful in themselves. Giroud definitely would have been against Arsenal as we touched on. But also, just the main thing is Hazard's your best player and it can get him in his best position. If you get got him against Arsenal, isolated Bellerin and you have Hazard in there, it's, it doesn't take a genius to work out what's going to happen. I put him against two big centre-halves who can bully him a bit more. It's not, well, it's it's not, not really a fair work. contest. But I think as much as playing Hazard out of position obviously did us over, the, the main thing is Kante. Mm-hmm. Why is he playing... Well, he's, effect, he's effectively playing right, right mid now. Yeah. He's he's a World Cup winning CDM. He's probably the best CDM in the world. There was a point, and you're on, playing him right mid. There was a point on match of the day where they highlighted it, where Kante was up against the two Arsenal centre backs, and I mean they're not traditionally heralded for their defending, but Socrates is a guy who his bread and butter is a ball into the box that he can just command over, and he was commanding. He'd be he had a good battle with some of the uh, roughest teams in the league. I mean we played Burnley. And Sean Dyche came off and accused Arsenal of being using roughhouse <laughs> tactics. Yeah. So putting Kante up top there to deal with it is, well, ridiculous. But I thought something that should maybe be looked at was Hazard made a point of coming out to the press and saying how much easier and how much fun he has playing alongside yeah, Giroud. Exactly. And then from then on, it seems like he struggled to get into the team even more than he did beforehand. You would think that would have, because it was kind of flip-flopping between we spent the money on Morata, but Giroud is more effective. And you would think Hazard saying that would be, right, we want him to sign a contract. He's clearly our best player. He's having his best form in several years so far this season. Do everything you can to accommodate him. And then if you want to get someone in January, then you can. They're making it too easy for him to leave. In terms of, if you think he was considering a move in the summer, maybe. People have said at the start of the season, the red-hot form he was in, maybe he was playing for a move. Regardless of what you think, you're making it far too easy for him now. You could drop out of the top four, which seems likely. Bear in mind the form United are in. Arsenal looked better than Chelsea on the day, so going forward, that could be the case. Hazard's kind of attributed a lot of his success to Giroud. I remember seeing a lot of focus on the link between them at the start of the season when Chelsea were having success. Sarah's almost gone the opposite to most foreign managers, where you see they come in the league and it's like they kind of learn on the job and you yeah. see him adapting to it. Sarah's actually going the opposite way, whereby... 
he's kind of becoming more and more stubborn in what he wants to do. Yeah, we've got worse. Yeah, exactly. When he first came in, I thought he's changed the way they play quite well. Jorginho has been a big part of that, and I like what they're doing. But he's, as it's gone on, it's just becoming pass for the sake of it. No real sort of end product, no direction. And if you are going to play Kante, you've either got to play him cent- like holding mid or just don't play him at all. Yeah. Because he, at that point, he's almost like a passenger. Oh, passenger's maybe a bit harsh, but he's not going to add much in the attacking third. He may as well that. have Barkley right mid. Exactly, or yeah. So, and he, he's like looked that. good whenever he has played for me this season. Mm. But, or, or, again, you put Kante and then drop Jorginho, but he's made clear he's not going to do that. Like I'm pretty sure... Like at least at least two months ago, we were talking about Jorginho and saying that he was arguably one of the best players of the season. But uh, like a, a friend, a friend of the family who's a hardcore Chelsea fan, he's been old boy, old boy. He absolutely slated it. Voted Brexit. Or... <laughs> <laughs> he uh, absolutely slated Jorginho. He he has not liked it from the start. He's just saying he, he he hides behind just being able to pass the ball from side to side. He like decided like he can't pass the ball more than ten feet. And he does. He actually creates nothing whatsoever. He can have all the. He can have all the pass stats in the world, but he doesn't. It's nothing. But the thing is, it, it's it's not use. It's not useful, and it's highlighted that way when he's then also expected to be put in a defensive shift alongside. And no one's saying he doesn't have to put in anything at all. But it looks a lot better, and it could be a lot like. And I'm not for one saying the, the quality is the same on the other way. But when Arsenal had a central midfield of Coquelin and Cazorla then Coquelin was going to do the, the rough work and then Cazorla was the guy who wasn't going to be expected to do too much in the other way, but he was going to spray the passes out and keep the ball moving. And if you have Kante alongside Jorginho, that's exactly what you can expect to do. But when you have the three of them in midfield, then you've got Kovacic who isn't doing bad, but he doesn't seem to know which way he is in that he's kind of being played defensively but trying to be the guy that's going to be of the three pushing them forward Jorginho is just kind of getting less of the ball because there's three in the middle and then he's doing the little kind of short passes to connect dropping things. into the defence to pick because the ball he, up then yeah because you've got to say it um, I know he's doing more but the same things that David Silva's praised for and the little passes and the little things to connect is the same things that Jorginho has been absolutely trashed for people seem to have gone from one way of saying he's class one of the signs of the season so now it's he's utterly useless yeah. he's been found I, out I, I'm sorry but David Silva creates I said that he gets praised for doing these little passes in the middle and I said obviously he does more but Jorginho is being praised these because if you compare yeah, the assists if you don't do the good but you do do yeah, the but, bad then you're going to get slipped yeah but David Silva isn't one who's much upside to no, I, I, but David, David Silva isn't scoring 20 assists isn't getting 20 assists a season and people are saying Oh, well, he's passing, but he's not doing that. But he also then has someone else alongside him and he's not being expected yeah. to have... Yeah, but it's the way that those it's the way that those string of passes all... It's the positive play that Man City show. I mean, with Jorginho, it's side to side, not re- or in, in, put, passing it into an area where they're not going to get anywhere. But, Whereas Silva is often penetrating passes that open things up down further down the field. You look at some of these players who are hailed as some of the best of a Premier League midfielders, Paul Scholes, Michael Carrick, They've made a living off playing backwards and sideways passes, and people absolutely love them for it. We've got one bloke who's coming here, and because he one plays for Chelsea, Chelsea are having a rough couple of games, and it's then easy to jump on top of them. What is what's what's he doing differently that the others aren't praised for? If Chelsea were if Chelsea had beat Arsenal, he'd have been praised for those same passes on the side. 
The thing is, with, with Silver, you're saying he does it further forward the pitch. He plays further up yeah, the yeah, pitch, yeah. so that that helps. <laughs> yeah. Jorginho needs someone like Kante, like you said, sat next to him. Kante can do the busy work, which everyone knows he does exceptionally well. Probably the best in the world at doing that that role at CDM. Then Jorginho can afford to do those little passes. If you look at any team in the world that has a play a deep line playmaker, like Chelsea did a couple of seasons ago when we won the league, we had Matic doing the busy work. And then Fabregas making the nice passes, the pretty passes, like doing the little passes and then spotting the big run from Costa or someone like that. It's, it's exactly the same thing, but Jorginho doesn't have that protection around him. So, something you would say is supposedly when a new manager comes in, they kind of have a, at least in their interview process, they say, this is the direction I want to go with the team. This is how we're going to play. They said with Emery, he had to kind of say, this is what I want to do with this player, this player. Surely bringing in Jorginho, he's has to pitch to the board and say this is why I want this player this is what he's going to do and so is it that Jorginho isn't doing what Sari wants or Jorginho is doing what he's meant to be doing and it's the style of play isn't right for that because his style of play is something that is incredibly useful in this kind of team where you have to break a team down you need someone who's going to kind of connect the dots and then leave it to other people to do it but then if you have no creativity in front of you, then it's not really giving you much work to do because there's no focal point for Jorginho to hit, you've got to think. You've got Pedro and William who are inconsistent. William gets a lot of stick, which I've said before. I don't. I think it's harsh, but you have to maybe look at what Jorginho has in front of him as well as what is in behind. Yeah. Um, I also think a, a key fact is that obviously Jorginho was doing that same role in Italy where they may not necessarily need the protection that they need in the Premier League. Everyone knows the Premier League is probably the most physical league in the world and people like Ramsey, like he did on Saturday, will hassle you and not give you time on the ball to play that pretty pass. It's it's just the way it is. So he needs someone like Kante next to him. I think he's always going to be the type of player as well that's going to either benefit from how the rest of the team is playing or suddenly kind of look awful on how the rest of the team is playing. I, I don't think what he's done has changed too much from the start of the season when he was getting praise, but the start of the season whereby he was getting it into Hazard's feet, getting it into someone's feet to play into Giroud, for example, he was kind of getting the praise for he was the one starting the move. He might well still be starting the same moves now, but he can't do anything with it because you've got Hazard in the middle up top, which isn't really working. Well, that's, he's, that's another thing, but yeah. So that's, he's it was the same as... I think I think we could end up getting a bit of stick for uh, your reference to Skulls and Carrot just making a career out of sideways passes. But those type of players and like someone like a, like Xabi Alonso, for example, they've always been the types that they might play the first pass, the one that starts it, maybe change the direction of the play. Yeah. But they aren't going to necessarily be the one again direct assist. That's why I think those stats are a bit misleading. I, th- I think. But I think he was always going to be that guy. But it's just the rest of the team hasn't lived up to how they started the season. I think. Him coming in as well, and there's direct comparisons to Sesk. And obviously, Sesk was a bit of a freak in terms of he could do the little passes deep, and then he could just spot a run the other side of the pitch and just pick the pass and get the assist. So I don't think it's fair to compare him to Sesk Fabregas. He's a completely different player. And I'm not for one second saying I don't think Jorginho's a good player. I, I think he's a fantastic player and I think he will be a fantastic player if you play him right yeah. with the right players alongside him. It feels like almost like a Sudoku puzzle to get intellectual on here. Oh. Where if you put one number wrong, then it's going to mess up all the rest of the sums. Yeah. And so you've got Hazard at a position 
and then you've got Kante at a position, and then you've got Jorginho at a position, and then each one is individually affecting the other ones. And then, so it's almost like Sari knows in his head how he wants to play, but he's not conveying it to the team properly because they look like they had no clue what on earth they were doing. The other thing is, if the increased sort of attention that Jorginho is going to be getting, that's going to, as you come to scrutiny, you're going to play the, the, the sort of the simple pass, the safe one, rather than. Because he has got a sort of expansive pass in him, but just the more and more the season's gone on, he has become a bit more sort of right angle Ray rather than pinging balls in behind. If we switch up then on the other side and we uh, talk about Arsenal before we move on and uh, maybe the team selection there, Koscielny was given man of the match at the game. I think, I don't know if he took direct motivation from uh, what we've said about him on here because none of us have been particularly kind to him. He did have a very good game. I'm not for one second thinking he's back because I do think it was largely a one-off in that as much as he was great. It was fairly simple in what Arsenal were having to do. It was either a scramble in the box where it felt like Arsenal's defenders wanted it more than the Chelsea attackers, and on the or on the other side, it was just a punt into the box where it was just a, a simple clearance out. So that that's interesting. What's going to go forward from there? Because they were they asked after the game when you beat a team like this, does the board look at that and say? Clearly the foundations are there. If we chuck a bit of money, then we can build on this. Or do they say, look, what are they worrying about? they got more than enough here. They've just beaten Chelsea with players out. They've ended the game with Nenny on the field. Ainsley Maitland-Niles are right back. We'll be fine. So I'd say it's definitely going to be more more so that one. And then you've got Ramsey on the way out. People are saying, well, he shouldn't be playing if he's on the way out. I think if you're you're going to lose him, get every last second. He doesn't look like he's one of those players that isn't going to have it because if anything and you can say it's what's expected of him but David Luiz putting that nasty tackle on him for probably about half an hour in he could have looked and said look I've got 300 grand supposedly on the table from Juve do I really want to be putting myself in a game like this for a team I'm not going to be playing for next mm-hmm. season and he could have easily wimped out of that and said he didn't fancy it like uh, well largely what Ertzil is doing which is why he's on the bench Especially having his leg broken before. Yeah. So I think you play him as long as possible. Then the Ertzel thing's tricky because for every time you don't play him, his value decreases. And then for every time you do play him and he doesn't put in a performance, there's more focus on him and it puts more pressure on the manager to say, look, what what are you doing here? Because it seems there's a bit of uh, similarities between what Sari tried to do after the game and what's happened with Ertzel. I didn't think that was right of Sari to say this group of players is incredibly difficult to motivate. If you go back, when has it ever worked with a ma- yeah, when a manager has publicly <laughs> come out against the players? Do you see you got slashed on the next manager's leave odds? It's, well, when a manager takes on the players, there's only one winner these days anyway. But at Chelsea, yeah. it's definitely you don't need to be. You know, Bramovich doesn't need to be told twice that the manager's got to go. The only, and it was more of it, not a manager taking on the player players, it's more of a taking on a player. The only manager which I've ever seen that do successfully is Alex Ferguson. But you have to appreciate that he had such a, like, it, I mean, you know, he was Man United. I'm so it's, exactly, so it's not, it's not, those days are gone now. With, with Ursula, it's, it's, it's so strange because it's either he's come in and he's essentially said, he's not in my plans. And that's rumoured what's happened with Ramsey is, he kind of said, look, he's not my player. The contract was on the table and the board's kind of gone, 
Well, obviously we'd like to have him, but if he's not your kind of player, then we don't really want to give him 170 grand a week, which is supposedly That's what crazy. they had, and then Arsenal withdrew it. So we can't, no one to blame but ourselves. But his situation, I think you know, I struggled to find someone to take him. But at the same time, I spoke to um, Jack who'd been on it before earlier, and he was saying, oh, well, I'd take him at Chelsea, and I'm not sure he's what you, what you need now. <laughs> but every other team, every team that slates him would have him in their team, no no questions asked. I don't think there's a team in the in the league that he doesn't get into, and I I would even put City in that. It. Yeah. Are you going to fit him into? What? He, there's no doubt he's better than Liverpool midfielders, but are you going to put him in that three? I wouldn't. That's that. That's the thing that some teams can afford to carry a player. City can afford to carry a player. Liverpool probably could afford to carry a player. The, the way it goes at the moment, um, and some some other teams. I would say even like. Depending on how your team's set up, Chelsea probably could afford to have to carry him if you have Kante and Jorginho in behind him. Yeah, but it's do you want to play? Do you want to pay three hundred grand a week to someone that you have to carry? And if Arsenal were going back ten years, then you could afford to have him in there, and you could afford to have him carry. But in our position, where you're constantly trying to improve, you're trying to move up and get into that top four, then you literally can't afford to have it. And you saw that at Ramsey. That would have been Ursula in that position, and that set the that set the tone for the game. Two minutes in, when he's charged down the goal kick, so he's either got a bucket of ideas up, but he, what is he? He's he's about to turn thirty. He's not going to change now. He's had plenty of opportunity, hasn't he? As well, and it's not the first time. I think Ramsey is kind of the guy who sets the tone for you. I think the way he plays sets it. You kind of know if Arsenal can have a good day or not. Kind of how he starts, strangely. But I honestly think you've got to get him out of there as soon as you can. Like you said, someone who's going to take his wages is the, is the big problem. That's the conundrum. And maybe you shouldn't have given him that, that deal when you did. I don't know. But because it, it's every sort of game he doesn't make the squad or doesn't start, it's, it comes a story. I know it's kind of just classic tabloids over here, but it's, it's happening every week. Because it used to be that, well, we couldn't play him in the big games. So then you've got your highest paid player who can't play in the big games. But now you're even like you're not playing him in the smaller games as well. You're just playing him like here and there, and they tended to be his bread and butter where he actually has played well. If you're not going to play him then, where are you going to play him? As a, um, I don't know, devil, devil's advocate's the right term for this, but it was you, you said kind of uh, about not giving him the contract, and that's been said from just about everyone every time he doesn't play or has a bad game. But can you imagine if Arsenal had let both Sanchez and Ozil go on a free, and what? I, th- I think they come were, there. In, in the time, I think they were absolutely right to it. How long was the contract there? Yeah, I think it's three years. Yeah, so that's... No, I can understand it. It wasn't a long-term, too long-term. And like you said, Arsenal has traditionally been slated for losing players yeah. on three. So it was right to do it, but it, the amount of money that he's on is, is going to be very hard to shift in. If you'd um, watched any of the stuff after the game on BT... Genus was slating was slating Arsenal saying and they're going to let Petr Cech go back to Chelsea as a coach they keep losing this lot <laughs> he's Come retiring on, give us a break <laughs> no supposedly he's going to go back as a coach with Chelsea now um, at the end of the season Petr Cech and Genus is like Arsenal should be stamping their feet on the ground going no you're going to stay and you're going to be a coach with us <laughs> just make him yeah. just, just make him be a coach <laughs> you can't go where you want to go <laughs> he's a right clown Genus but if we shift on from Arsenal, because I'm sure there's, we'll get into them maybe later if anything crops up, and same with Chelsea. Um, but 
Wolves boss Nuno Espirito Santo, they say, could face further punishment from the FA following his dismissal against Leicester. He was sent off after running onto the pitch to celebrate Yota's stoppage time winner. And something I didn't know until yesterday was it was the exact same referee that didn't send off Klopp when he ran on the pitch against Everton. I wonder if he might have fallen victim to, because managers don't tend to run on the pitch too often, I wonder if he might have fallen victim to the referees look back at him and realised I should have sent him off. So as simple as the next guy that does it, he's kind of run into. Obviously, of course, it could be a conspiracy that the Premier League love Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, which Twitter tells me is 100% true. So um, obviously that must be gospel. I do think Klopp is in the select few that can get away with some things because of his nature. It's, It's kind of if someone who's a nice bloke all of the time says a nasty comment then you're going to yeah. go maybe he didn't quite mean yeah. it like that whereas he may have been completely scathing with it and Klopp probably does get into that but I think you probably are right in that they probably think we don't want this every week but then they yeah. could just as easily have let it happen and then put a thing out <laughs> saying right we're going to stop this now this this can't happen yeah if, if you're going to do it like TK said if you're going to say alright oh, the next manager gets it surely you've got to actually well, what, say that yeah. I assume it was a different ref and I thought yeah, he's just un- he's just unlucky. They've kind of they're going to make this statement here. But when I the same ref, he's he's even stranger. But then yeah. at the same time, it could make more sense. Maybe he's had a hammer in for yeah not doing so. But then his hands are tied because if he'd sent Klopp off in a derby after running onto the pitch, like I didn't have an issue with it. I had an issue with the fact that you've now sent him off mm. because it didn't affect the game. If if Puel's felt disrespected grow up essentially because <laughs> there's far worse things that can happen yeah. to you in this league that don't get punished yeah like uh, Marcus Alonso gouging Maitland Niles in the eye I wonder if of them, with both of them being injury time thing I wonder with the clock one where he thought the game's literally over it's literally the last minute of stoppage time I can get away with not having to send him off and I I think you probably could have applied the same thing with the Wolves one but like we said maybe the pressure was on him to, to make sure he did the only thing with a guy like Klopp is there is then more pressure from everyone else to make sure he's punished. So when he got the fine or whatever, he was like, obviously I'll take the fine. But there was kind of like almost like a hounding of, you better make sure you give him a fine. <laughs> Whereas I feel like with the, maybe if the Klopp one hadn't happened before and the Wolves guy came on the field with this one, it may not have even got, it got shown on match of the day. I don't think it would have been talked about usually. I think, yeah. but when you have a high profile guy like Klopp beforehand, it obviously becomes a story of its own. If we move on then, so Chelsea are actually next up on the list, so Townsend, it's a good week to have you on. Um, <laughs> I'm sick of him, I don't want to talk yeah. about him anymore. Chelsea's England under-19 forward Callum Hudson-Odoi is ready oh. to reject the Blues contract offer worth 85000 a week and hold out for a move to German giants Bayern Munich because the 18-year-old thinks he has more chance of developing in the Bundesliga, and that's from the mail. Yeah, don't blame him, we're a joke. Do you, do you <laughs> like, he obviously looks half decent. He came on against us in pre-season, tore us apart. Do you not think if he's that good, maybe rather than offering money, give him some games and then you can... Well, we've... we've I say we've started doing this, but if over the last couple of weeks he's been getting more he's only st- He's had. only started... What is it? One game yeah. he started, yeah. Yeah, and he, yeah, st- he started st- against Tottenham in the League Cup, didn't he? Um, he started since Bayern got interested. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's much, the thing, yeah. Much like a sort of if a bird sort of string, strings you along, but another bird comes along and fancies you a bit, you're all right, I'll get you. That's exactly it, yeah. Do you think with what we said about uh, 
Arsenal would have been given loads of stick if they'd let both go. Do you think Chelsea are almost in a way pressured by the fact that they are constantly lumbered with? They've got all these youth prospects, they let them go. Do you think this one has been so high profile now that they're almost in a position where they're like, we can't let him go. This isn't a good look if you have a guy well, who's being touted as good enough for Bayern Munich but not good and can't play for Chelsea. Yeah, definitely. It's it's one of those things where clearly Bayern are seeing something that Chelsea aren't. Everyone in the world is seeing something that Chelsea aren't. We finally offered him a contract. Why is it taking it so, so taking it's, us so it's long? Next it's season, clear how it's next season he, it expires, isn't it? But the thing is, he's been carrying our youth teams for yeah. years. Like he's he's destroyed. I think he scored a hat trick against Arsenal under 18s in the FA Cup FA Cup final, well, which is normally sort of like your audition for a yeah. young player. And it, it's just every single time we have a good young player, we sell them. They said and it just drives me mental. Don't have to come yeah. They said to Sari, didn't they, in pre season? Are you going to send him out on loan? And he said, Well, no, we'll we'll keep him here. TK had him in his fantasy team to start the year. He was not so cheap. Basically, <laughs> I have no money left. So I thought. They might play him. He might get a goal. <laughs> Turns out, they're not going to play him. <laughs> you took a gamble on Chelsea playing a young player. For 4.2 million, I'll take a gamble on anything. Not worth it. <laughs> All right, well, 2 million on Andy Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have Carroll in the squad. 2 million pounds. That's a no-brainer. He's better All than right. Maratta. We'll carry on. We, we, we got into this last week where Alex gave us his price as to whether he would move to China. He took this very seriously. West Ham forward Marco Arnautovic has moved to China is off after Guangzhou Evergrande pulled out of the proposed 45 million deal for the 29-year-old Austria international. And so I've essentially pieced together each story on this to kind of gauge what has happened. And it seems that they put in the bid for Arnautovic. West Ham turned it down or at least had it on the table. Arnautovic has got all excited about all this cash. His brother's put the statement out and he's thought, Christ, I can't go back now. They dropped him out of the team at the weekend. So West Ham have gone, right, we can't have him back now. They've gone back and said, all right, we're happy to accept the offer. The Chinese club have gone, oh, we don't fancy him anymore. <laughs> they bid for Pyatt instead, who supposedly they've gone for now. <laughs> so now he's left at West Ham. The fans don't like him. The West Ham board, are, uh, knowing how they are, thinking, oh, 45 million we could have had. <laughs> And he's been left there to try and uh, worm things back. I will say, with it being West Ham, I think bag a goal at the weekend, you'll probably be all right. Because it's that or Carroll. So Carroll's not wanted by anyone. (laughs) The only thing that's missing is Arnautovic turning up in the car park of this Chinese club and trying to force through the move for Odin Wingy. (laughs) (laughs) It's 45 million and a massive paycheck. You've got to commit. I was going to say, he needs to get... He's going to have to get on the phone to Odin Wingy and he'll just be like, look, how would you go back into training after you made a bit of a tit of yourself? What do you do? How's he going to walk back? He's got to walk back. You know that little swagger off the pitch he did when he got subbed? They thought it was a farewell. He's got to walk back into training the exact same walk. Yeah. He's got to embrace it at that point. <laughs> All right, we've got more Chelsea, actually. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> well, actually, the next two are Chelsea. Oh, fantastic. Oh, we've just got some uh, breaking confirmed news as well. The Derby have just signed uh, Ashley Cole, so Frank's put his uh, contact book to good use. He was struggling in the MLS, so this could be interesting. 38 years old. <laughs> Hero. All right, so you might like the next two. So Chelsea have asked Spanish champions Barcelona about their 100 million rated Brazil and former Liverpool midfielder Philip Coutinho. And that's from the Sunday Express. 
An attacking midfielder. You're telling us that we're linked with another attacking midfielder. That would be class if Chelsea signs someone to keep Pulisic at the side before he even signs. Oh, that that would be the most Chelsea thing <laughs> Chelsea could do. That's mental. He's Don't also... get me wrong, Coutinho is unreal. If we get Coutinho, amazing. Probably a replacement for Hazard. You play him up top, but... you, you can't. <laughs> but that's what I was going to say. We'll either play him as a CDM <laughs> with Jorginho and Kante can go right mid or whatever. Or up top. He's, or in goal. Put him in goal. He's also been linked with United, so TK, which would you rather? <sighs> Jesus. It's, it's choosing which grandmother you want to fuck, isn't it? <laughs> uh, let him go to Chelsea. You're probably more chance of rotting there. It's fine. <laughs> oh no, we'll ruin him. Don't, don't you worry about that. We will ruin him. <laughs> at the game yesterday, Sam's gone, I can't wait for Coutinho to come down here so I can scream Judas at him. <laughs> Two seconds later, he's come down. Hey, big Philly C. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Continuing with Chelsea, then uh, Juventus striker Gonzalo Higuain's imminent loan move to Chelsea will put the 31 year old Argentina international among the top earners in the Premier League on £270,000 a week. That's so Chelsea. That's so Chelsea. If, if you told me this whole story, but the club remained unnamed, <laughs> I would 100% know who was doing this. I keep forgetting there's no cameras. I've got my head in my hands here. <laughs> He's pulling his hair out. Uh, are you actually, if you take everything out of it, if you could put yourself subjectively and you just told Higuain to Chelsea, would you be happy with it? A couple of years ago, yeah. Can I just point <laughs> out, Higuain has scored less goals this season than Morata. Do you do you consider it? It's, that's such quite a... <laughs> it's a joke, I, well, I said it? this at work. I said... Is it a significant upgrade, getting rid of Morata for Higuain? And I was looked at like I was speaking blasphemy. Don't get me wrong. Morata will go to Atletico Madrid and score goals. You know he will. Oh, oh yeah, I'm, that's one of the things. <laughs> I'm, I'm, t- I'm tipping Morata to be a success. Yeah, he, he definitely will. One thousand percent. I said that I'd rather have Giroud than both. Yeah, he, I'm not saying he's individually a better player, but in the in terms of what works, I would I would 100 percent rather have him in there. Would you? It all kind of stems back to Conte screwing you over by selling Costa. Yeah, uh, Costa kind of he was, he I mean, he, he was trouble, but well, supposedly he let him know by text that I don't fancy you anymore, and so that probably started it. It's it's the whole thing though. If with a striker or any any player for that matter, if they're trouble but they do their job well, aka Costa scoring goals, Suarez scoring goals, or whatever, then you'd have them at your club. Liverpool loved Suarez. A lot of people hated Suarez, but would have happily. Had them at their club. We we saw Arsenal bantering with a bid for him as well. We saw what a scumbag he was yesterday, uh, Suarez, up, <laughs> up up close and personal, with how at points it was like dead silent there, and you could hear him for no reason just chirping at the keeper, and you couldn't understand what he was saying, but it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. You saw him also throw himself to the deck, where there was no contact at all. Would you have him at Arsenal? And then start screaming around. I would love that at Arsenal. Yeah, 1,000%. <laughs> every, every great team needs a good shithouser. Yeah, every yeah. great team well, does. Well, the thing is that you have Kane to do it and people still laud him like Kane? he's not. Kane? Ke- you've looked at that Tottenham squad and you've chosen Kane as the shithouser. Yeah, we How about- have you scratched well, over we Deli Alli? About- Deli we Alli about- is the ultimate shithouser in our squad. <laughs> I thought we were talking about diving still. <laughs> Excuse me? Can we go back to diving? Um, Salah. That was a penalty. No, oh, I just mean Salah in general. <laughs> Saka didn't touch the ball, but did kick him in the leg. Penalty, by definition. 
it's soft, but uh... um. By the way, is signing Higuain to be a because your strikers aren't prolific enough is such a the guy who is maybe the most notorious striker for needing five chances to get a goal. You brought in it's up there with bringing in Carroll to solve an injury crisis. I was expecting us to bring Drogba back for a bit. <laughs> we've, we've, we've spoken about that tier of strike on here before. The ones that flattered to deceive, to uh, quote TK. You've got Danny. you've got Cavani in there. Oh, you've God. got Benzema in there. You've got Higuain in there. Yeah, they're probably the the main three that yeah. literally because Arsenal have been linked with all three, and we've always thought <laughs> yeah. this is not what we need. <laughs> to be fair, I I think it is worrying for Chelsea fans when you are clearly in a desperate situation at the moment with a manager who's only been there for less than a season and the best you can give him in a desperate situation of this is Higuain. I mean, Chelsea are not I... the powerhouse that they once were. I mean, the transfer with Bayern Munich going through with the the young lad, he, you can't... They, they just... I think them trying to keep him is just purely a power move to show that, no, no, we're we're a big boy. We can, you know, we can like not sell anybody if we don't want to. I think those times that Chelsea are going, I th- I'd, I'd be concerned about what's going on higher up the board with um, um, Roman. With Roman. Um, obviously, the ta- we've said before, things like the stadium's being shelved. I mean, I think their budget is slowly being trawled back and back and back. I'd, I'd, I'd be worried. The, I'd go the opposite way with Chelsea and I'd say that Higuain must be what Sari wants because with the amount of money they chuck about, they can't be too hard up. They've just chucked £57 million at Pulisic. So I would yeah. say with them, they can have within reason any striker they want aside from maybe the the top five ones that are like cemented in. Like you're not getting Messi, you're not going to get Mbappe uh, outside of those kind of that little group. You can have most if you chuck enough money at them. So I would say that Higuain must be what Sari well, clearly wants. Napoli, yeah, he? scored like, 36 goals in a season. Napoli, I get a bit, but bold. that was a few years ago like I'd said I'd happily have Higuain a couple of years ago I get a bit bored on football manager if I sign the same players every time Sarri's going the opposite way and so Arsenal did it with when they had uh, Mislin who's about to leave where they just getting <laughs> Dortmund in they're going to rebuild Chelsea at uh, uh, Napoli at Chelsea get Levetsi in Higuain might do the opposite he may come straight in and I mean he does get goals it's just whether mm. he's going to get the chances and so Chelsea certainly have the players there, don't they, to get the chances there. I mean, you're going to ship Hazard out wide, so you're going to get more... That, that in itself is a bonus. And the fact that we put Hazard back in his position, that's as good as a signing in itself. Yeah, but... I mean, it implies that if we're loaning him till the end of the season, that we're going to get some kind of big signing in the summer, well, maybe. They, they say that but... it's you, you've got a one-year loan and then you have the choice whether you want to extend it or purchase him. Okay. Essentially, I think you're taking over the deal that Milan had. Yeah. And so I think it was a two-year one, so you can have him another year. But I imagine you'll have to pay if you want to send him back. So it'd probably be within your best interest to keep him. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not convinced. I, I was actually getting quite excited about the idea of um, getting Callum Wilson until they said 75 yeah. million. <laughs> something, something I would say, I, I've seen a lot of... Asked of Chelsea, why did you not get Batshuayi and why did you not get Batshuayi? And then I looked, he had three goals at Valencia and they terminated his loan because yeah. he was that poor. So that probably puts pay to that because mm-hmm. I just assumed, oh, this is just Chelsea. They 
everyone else wants him except for Chelsea. And then I saw that and I thought, Christ, maybe he's not quite uh, what I thought he was. So I don't know why. He did uh, quite good at Dortmund. Yeah, Dortmund he but clearly then, was. Yeah. The, the, he, he could have been given more of a crack of the whip, couldn't he? But he was he had that like brief spell, didn't he, where he was kind of given yeah. the chance to be the guy. And as much as you can say it's harsh, it's so many other players are willing to step up and take their take their chance. I mean, Kane was given a chance because essentially there was that massive injury crisis at Spurs. They didn't have anyone else and he stepped up and took the chance. And you've seen that all through the years with players that have stepped in. Their first of many. And, yeah, and taken, <laughs> and taken their chance. And so you kind of have to be able to do it. And Batshuayi, it's not like he hasn't been given. Yeah. Some chance there must be something on there. I don't know if his like his attitude or not. Maybe Chelsea looks at him, boot the ball into his own head off the post in the Euro and <laughs> the World Cup. <laughs> of Pride. We're not getting involved with that. I, I think part of why Chelsea fans love Batshuayi so much is just how, how he is on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. Is that, that that is part of it? You you love you love him at the squad, but realistically, is he good enough to be starting up top every week? You probably think when Chelsea? he leaves, no. you can realize we still follow him. You just don't have to have him. Missing for us. I know. I, I quite often unfollow Chelsea players when they leave. It's too painful. <laughs> All right, Alex. Well, we're back to Spurs. Tottenham boss Mauricio Pochettino says the club are more likely to find a replacement for injured 25-year-old England striker Harry Kane in their academy than through the transfer market. And that's from the London Evening Standard. Yeah, with the budget we've got, I'd probably say that is uh, that is true. Well, just quick, just because it's another Spurs one, then we can do it as a thing. So I didn't know this was actually a thing, but it's, <laughs> this is from Sky Sports. Tottenham manager Mauricio Pochettino says the club will not be signing former Manchester United and Italy forward Giuseppe Rossi this month, who is a free agent. Why, why was that a thing? He was training um, with United. And he's he 31. Was, yeah, did you see something like he's missed a quarter of his career with injury or something? It was crazy. But they saw, yeah, they saw he was training with United to get fit and put two and two together with Spurs needing a striker and fought on a free. Come on, let's do it. Get him and Andy Carroll in. <laughs> Problem solved. Was it injury crisis solved? If you, if you, if you were, injury if, if, if you were, if you were to tell me, like, if you were to tell me that that was to happen and that's what won you a, a trophy, I, I didn't like. If you told me that like six, seven months ago, like, right, at some point this season you're gonna have a massive injury crisis and you're gonna bring in Rossi and Andy <laughs> Carroll and you're gonna end up with a cup. Get- <laughs> Like bringing in Ant McPartlin and Prince Philip as your drivers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my days. Arsenal had injury crisis and signed Kim Kolstrom, who had a broken back at the time. So. That was so good. <laughs> well, he, he won't be starting, he does have a spinal injury. <laughs> the best thing with that is, if, you, if you've never seen it, he did some like interview on like Swedish TV where he spoke for about five minutes solely on the moment he scored a penalty in the FA Cup semi-final penalty shootout. And he's talking about it and he's like, I've never felt anything like it. The moment before I kicked the ball. And he's talking like as if it's some storied novel that he's really like embellishing the whole way through. Like Alex with his Christmas party story. That's what that reminds me of. Did you see the uh, Phil Neville thing about his step over? Like, <laughs> oh, that is amazing. If you haven't seen this, he... I actually just found this story he, he's they got like emotional music in the background and he's talking about a game against Southampton they got this little montage of him doing stepovers and he's like I've been working on this for six months we get to the game against Southampton I'm going down the left wing I pull off the stepover the crowd are roaring I cross it into the box 
He's like, I try and walk back and Beckham and all, they're laughing at me. <laughs> He's like, I get the ball again. I don't do one this time, I do two. <laughs> I whip it in again. The crowd are laughing, they're loving it. Everyone else is laughing. You know, I get back to the centre circle and Roy Keane looks across at me and says, Stop fucking messing about now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and I just don't understand why. I've been working on this for so long. <laughs> but you need to see the full clip with the, with the, with the music <laughs> and all sorts. It's hilarious. So are we saying with Spurs then, are you just resigned to not sign anyone and just having to make it through until... I, th- I think it is. I think it is literally just a case of survival. I'm just hoping that we have a spark of momentum from one of our youth guys. Uh, like, I mean, uh, Harry Winks. I blood. I hope that. I, I hope that <laughs> something. <laughs> I, I hope. I hope that You're he's like, just. The thing. The thing is, we've lost our three top scorers. That in any team is a nightmare. To getting Batshuayi on loan. That I. I had. I, I, I said. I, I had. I had this whole at halftime. At halftime um, on Sunday, I had this whole lecture planned about. Why Spurs are never going to win a cup with this team? I was, I was absolutely raging. No, still, it don't matter because the way that I looked at that squad and the situation, we could easily go out to Chelsea, a team with no teeth at the moment, or and City, and then you got City (laughs) at the end of it. They're going to be coming in off a twenty nil. It's kind of like it's kind of like uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of around about half time. um, The players' body language. were was just terrible, and it was kind of like the way the the mentality that they need to show in that situation is this is a must win game. Every game is a must win game. If you if you haven't, if you think you're going to tr- even get remotely close to win a title, that's it. This is this is it. This is this isn't like oh this is a bad game one week. This is it. You have to win it. There is no yeah. choice, and they yeah. weren't showing that at half time. But credit to them, if there were ever it's two goals game. which I never thought would come. Dali Ali and then Winks at the end, last second. I, I, I was shook. I was absolutely shook. I was like, I had no. I, 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 I at halftime, I had literally written after speed. That's it. That's you know, that that's it. We're not. We're not. That's game over. Spurs fan mentality. People talk about what's holding Spurs back. The fans. But I think if you looked, if you looked, if you looked, that's if you exactly looked, a Spurs fan mentality. I'd expect there. If you yeah. looked, if One you looked, down to Fulham, Fulham for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, but you I can, mean, oh, you can probably manage two goals against Fulham. Notoriously shit defenders. Yeah, but, but if you looked, you'd already if down you, tools. If you looked, and at you're the criticizing way, the players' mentality. If you looked, unbelievable. If you looked, if you looked at the, if you looked at the forwards on the pitch, where does that goal come from? Harry Winks would have been my last, like, like quite a bit down the list. I, I was I, like, this is the attitude he took when we did change my mind last week. This is what I had to. This is what I had to rely on. You're looking bad for him. <laughs> but yeah, it's like so. Obviously, we've been slated a lot for selling. Like Deli Ali's now walked, gone off injured with a hamstring. It didn't look great. Um, obviously, we've sold Dembele um, for eight million. I understand why we've sold him because I think he's done anyway. Um, and I think eight million is pretty good for a player which is broken. However, we now have literally so. I mean, I thought we had a bit of depth in our midfield, and now it's looking real ropey. I think in that situation, if it weren't too late, you don't let him go, and you beg him to stay towards the end of the season. I wonder if, if Spurs had been genuinely amongst sort of the title contention, whether they would have rolled the dice. To try and do because this is pro- that would probably be your best chance to actually sort of achieve something would be 
at this point. If you'd been in touching distance now, but obviously they can't. Wasn't this time last year Dembele was getting compared to Maradona? Yeah. Life hits you fast, prime, man. Prime, prime, prime Dembele time last year. Prime and then shot to pieces in a year. Yeah. I, I saw a... Um, it was That's a, like Mike Tyson prime <laughs> kind of like. Yeah. I saw it was a load of Tottenham players a couple of years ago that were asked who's the most talented player in the squad and they all said Dembele. Mm. We've all, we've always said this. Uh, like he... Every... every We've always spoken about this before. Every Tottenham player that's every player that seems to play with Dembele says like the most skilled player on the pitch. Like if he gets the ball, you can't take off him. You do see that, but he never does anything with it. Yeah, it's it, like being it, it's being perfect for the two thirds and then bottling it right at the end. He he's not doesn't have a final pass and he doesn't have a final ball in any way. It's back. Changed my mind, and it is my turn this week to. Uh, have my mind changed by Alex Townsend and TK. We're going back into football this week. I told you what it would be last week for everyone who did listen. And just to outline it, it is both Alan Shearer and Matt Letizier left a stain on their respective careers by not moving to a bigger club when they had the chance. Change my mind. Shall I uh, outline my case yeah, and then uh, yeah. and then get into it? I won't go too long because uh, I, do, uh, I am locked and loaded here. <laughs> Um, so essentially, I'll, I'll say Letizia and Shearer both obviously worshipped by the respective teams that they played for. I I hold Shearer in a slightly higher regard than Letizia for the fact that he won the league title. But for Shearer, I'm saying after that, essentially, when he had the chances to move on and didn't Letizia, I think many feel that he could have achieved like a great deal more had he moved away both at international level and club level. He uh, has spent half his career moaning about the fact that he was given a lack of chances at club level, but you've got to play the game if that's if that's what your issue is, then you've got to kind of make it work for yourself. He kind of uh, acknowledged that later in his career to an extent, but he kind of laughs about it now. Um, I feel that for both, they, found, they wound up operating in a comfort zone. I think for Letizia, he was happy being that big fish in a small pond, I think that it's all well and good being revered by the, the 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 smaller club. But I feel that every sportsman should be looking to have their legacy reach the highest point. I think the Champions League is there for a reason. You don't really criticise any player when they say they want to go on and play in the Champions League. I've looked at players before and I've not criticised a player for joining a bigger club even with Arsenal it's usually the circumstance that I would criticise what I've said recently on here the Van Persie one in hindsight he then went on and won a league title so I can see why he did it although I don't agree with the way that he did it Fabregas I wasn't particularly angry in that circumstance because he went on to play for a bigger club and went on to do it from there so I would say with the two my main issue is that they both had chances to leave I think it was 95 96 for uh, the two of them when you look back I've got more details when we get into it but no that's that's my thing I think that Shearer had the chance to go to United um, Letizia had the chance to go to either Chelsea or Spurs and you look at the players they could have played with and where they could have been then I think they kind of left something on their career and I think they will both look back and think I could have done a lot more so uh, whoever wants to challenge me first uh Feel free to do so. 
So is Shearer. Obviously, you've already acknowledged he, he won the uh, Premier League with Blackburn. That yeah. was, what, 95? Um, should we, just to say, go on. if we do one at a time, just so if we do Shearer, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shearer then, yeah, works, then yeah. Yeah. So, sh- start with Shearer? Yeah, yeah, Sam. So, won the Premier League with Blackburn. Then, how long after that did he go back to, or go to Newcastle even? So, uh, he won the league with Blackburn in the first Premier League year, and then he had the chance to join United in 92. He didn't win, no, he to Newcastle in Yeah, the yeah. Premier League was Blackburn Premier League was like 95, wasn't it? Yeah, United won the first prep. Yeah. Won, yeah. Right, well he had the chance the year yeah. after Blackburn won okay. the league, he had okay. the chance to join and that's when he joined Newcastle yeah. instead. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, putting it this way you're you're a Arsenal fan obviously. Yeah. And Arsenal are, at the time Newcastle were a huge team. They were challenging for the title with Man United. They're also his boyhood club. So, as an Arsenal fan, you're challenged from the title. You've just won the title with Blackburn or whoever. whoever. Arsenal and Manchester United, who are both challenging equal, like fairly equally. United has got the slight edge. Who do you go to? They both equally want you. This is this is what I'm going to get into. So, I don't begrudge him joining Newcastle. My thing with him and Newcastle is that they finished second his first season there. So yeah. he can quite happily see, okay, this is fine. I've joined. I'm happy with the club I've joined. My issue is everything after there, where he had the chance to join uh, United, who came in for almost every season. And the issue is that I feel as Newcastle's goals became smaller and smaller, his went with that. And he was happy to kind of sink into mediocrity and mediocrity. Well, yeah. If you look at the way Newcastle went, what were they competing for? Nothing. For him, though. They for him, sing- like you can't really say. Friendly's record scorer. Yeah. So for him, by as a the long rec- way. So for him as the record scorer, surely you want to set you you want to set your aims higher because that isn't going to last forever, or that's not guaranteed to last forever. Okay. Winning a Champions League stays with you. That's going to be on there for good. Yeah. But. Being your club's greatest ever legend does last forever. And you're just going to be a number at United. Yeah. And I, that's one thing that's never going to be the same. You'll just be, even if you win, regardless of titles, you're also another number on the plaque. I think one thing that's diminished definitely in the game today is that club legend, that loyalty factor. Um, I think when the era of Shearer at Newcastle, I think you can look, he was probably looking at that and I want to be a legend. And that was bigger then than it is now. Um, I I think it's going to be the same for Letizia as well. I, I think you're looking now with a comparison of there is no much, there is no loyalty like in today's game. As Which much. we always criticise as well. Yeah, exactly. You, you can so. criticise, but if you're, that, if you're that good and we we see it, so we, when when we were playing five-a-side, it's not as fun when you're not playing for anything so you, you there's no competitive nature there and what are you competing for at Newcastle he was competing to finish one place higher than last season he had the chance to join and they went on to then win the treble so he had the chance to join United in 98 and then they've gone on to win the treble in 99 so what surely he's got to be looking at that and the thing of being a number I would take that with some so say it was if I relate it to Arsenal 
Alexander Kleb left Arsenal to join Barca. And at Barca then, he won trophies, but he was nothing but a number in that squad. Shearer was going to be starting up top for United. There's nearly no doubt about that. There's He obviously was one of the best ever Premier League strikers. So he wasn't just going to be a number. He's going to be the guy firing them to whatever success they had. And I think it would be diminishing of Shearer's talents to say they're not going to have won what they had with Shearer there. So you're essentially, if you slot him in that team, I don't think you do any worse. And so he's going to be the leading guy. So yeah. he's not going to have been just a number. But surely his achievements at Newcastle makes it even more impressive because it was at but Newcastle. But what, what, what achievement other than being a leading goal scorer? It's not bad. No, but Champions League medal than being a leading goal scorer in the Premier League. Well, it's an achievement when you're being considered for the best Premier League team of all time, I'd say. And like arguably arguably it's a travesty that he's not in that all time Premier League well, eleven. Well no, what would he rather? What would he rather have? That or be Well that that's it. You you don't you don't know. You don't know. Because it is like, it's hit from his perspective, him keep on trying year in, year out to take Newcastle, even though it became more and more deluded down the road, he like taking his childhood dream, that childhood club dream to try and do something with anything with that club is probably going to be more important than him for going into a team like United where you're almost guaranteed a trophy. Everybody's goalposts are going to be different. If you're going with the personal attributes then saying, well, it's it's, it's a disgrace that he didn't have that. Ask what you'd rather have that whether he'd rather have a Champions League medal, whether he'd rather have another Premier League medal added on rather than be a leading goal scorer at United. I, I, I think he'd, he'd take what he's got now. I would, personally speaking as well, I would rather, so I think if we were all being completely honest as well, the boyhood club you support, I'd rather have 10 years at Liverpool and win nothing than go to a club away on guaranteed success. So, because it, it just means more. The sort of, the pursuit of winning something is, there's more yeah. meaning in it than Kind of like Towns has said, people forget because Newcastle are garbage now. They were perennial contenders at the time, so yeah. late nineties they were contenders. Even, even early, early noughties, they, was... they they were top four team. I remember back um, back when I was first getting into football and watching Chelsea yeah. competing with Newcastle for that top four spot. Exactly, it kind of it was and in Leeds, between actually. Arsenal, United often kind of contended for the league, but Newcastle yeah. would be not far behind, along with Liverpool and Chelsea, kind of chasing yeah. after that. Yeah, I think we kind of get confused with maybe sort of the meaning of football sometimes. We kind of forget it's about what you love, about your love for the club, your love for playing. And we kind of look at medals and trophies where, of course, you want to win that. But he's, I think he's got more meaning in sort of the pursuit of trying to win than there is in hop, kind of so if you're jumping with, on the back of another success. If anyone here was given the choice then, either play for United and win trophies, or play for your boyhood club for years, achieve what he achieved there, scored... He didn't achieve anything there. No. I don't it, I don't oh begrudge him joining Newcastle. No. Went there, tried it out. But he's now the he's, record Premier League goal scorer. That, that, is, yeah. that is an award as much for longevity as it is on excellence. If you put half of the greatest Premier League strikers in there, if you left them all in, the, that, in there the exact same amount of time that Shearer had, He's nowhere near that award, so just isn't wipe it, it out. Isn't his goals game ratio one of the best? Yeah. It's better than Omri's. Who would you rather have in your team? No, but you you said it's purely on longevity. 
the goals to game ratio says completely differently. Yeah. It says if he pl- if they all played the exact so, same amount of games, he would have more goals. But okay, he also so came in the Premier League far hot striker than Omri did, who had to work his way through. No, and th- but you're going to a separate debate. You're making it about him versus Omri. I'm talking no, about no, no. basically you said that numerous strikers have more goals than him if you had the same longevity. The goals to game ratio says completely no. differently. I'm, well, mine's in reference to the Newcastle records and the Premier League one. I'm saying that. Scoring all those goals for Newcastle was as much for him just being there that amount of time as it was for him being there. And saying okay. about him staying at there, his boyhood club or whatever, he had no issue jumping a sinking ship in Blackburn. I don't think his ties are that close to Newcastle that he wouldn't have been happy to jump ship if he thought, if he meant that much to him to go on and win a Champions League medal. I just think it clearly didn't mean that much to him. Didn't he leave the season they won the league? He left the, he left the year as it started going downhill. But then he's obviously gone on to become a legend at that club. Gone on to manage his boyhood club. Okay, didn't yeah. end well. No, yeah. didn't end well. But if you were given the chance to play for Arsenal for as long as he did, break goal scoring records at Arsenal, and then go on to manage Arsenal, whether that ends well or not, I would, you'd, you'd take that in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? I would say that what's supposed to separate us from these players is the ruthless competitiveness is the desire to be great and all of that. And Shearer, the way he's left, I don't think he's going to have been held in any disregard if he'd gone to if he'd gone to any better club than Newcastle. What if they see him in a mid-table team and ask him to move on? So he finished second their, their season after. They never mounted a significant title challenge after. They didn't win any cup competition. When when he looks back at his career, then what he has sentimentality to look back on. That's That's it. You're also forgetting just how many players are going to be able to look back on medals and stuff. How many players can look and say, I'm a legend, an actual club legend. And not just a legend, the legend, the main one. Exactly. exactly. the club you grew like, up in. Like, it's think of all it's the... such a unique <clears throat> thing. <clears throat> how many people can say they got medals? It's, and they're, they're kind of hollow almost. If you go to United and win them, it, doesn't, it has maybe not even a quarter of the meaning of even just trying to win something in Newcastle. The best kind of closest analogy I can give to you to relate it to is like... Kevin Durant staying at OKC and trying to win holds more value than going to Golden State and guarantee winning. Because that pursuit of it, that's what it's about. It's it's about the challenge. You talk about five aside. It's not if you've got the five best players at five aside by a country mile and you win it, it doesn't mean anything. But if you have a team that's competitive and you're nearly there, there's something in that. It's also that sort of mentality is addictive, and that's maybe the reason why he stayed. He doesn't want an easy ticket. That drive of like that that being on the edge of maybe I'll achieve maybe I won't is an addictive thing. I I'd argue you had the easy ticket staying at Newcastle. He had no pressure on him other than to stay there. But he's it, carrying the club. Though. Yeah, but they, if that does carry a pressure. So, so long as they didn't get relegated, then nothing he could do no wrong at all. And so, what pressure was there driving him on? It was more the pressure that he wants his boyhood club to. He wants to win with his boyhood club. Well, then win. he didn't do it. Yeah, and ultimately, not everybody achieves everything that they want to. But he had the chance to. That's the issue. He, he every don't... player would go to United then. Every Arsenal player would but, have been the and every, in the Niners. But not, but not everyone was good enough to do it. So my thing is, if it was just the, if it was just the Premier League, then I could maybe see an argument. But you want to go on a, and you want to go on and win the Champions League. That is 
you can say the Premier League, there's so many players that have it. The Premier League, as an English Premier League winner, there's not that many that have done it. And that's something that's going to hold him in far higher regard at the end of his career. Alan Shearer winning goal scorer in the Champions League than Alan Shearer, Newcastle United's leading goal scorer. Yeah, but Newcastle were in the Champions League when, when he went there, weren't they? After after the one season, then he's done. And that's you what also, I'm saying. You also say that. The United players of United strikers at that time, say if you say Cole, York, Sheringham, Solskjaer, who's held in the highest regard when you put Shearer in that equation? Exactly. He's still exactly. In the, held in the high regard than Exactly. Them. And you said about the Champions League winning goal. Solskjaer got the Champions League winning goal. Who's held in high regard, Solskjaer or Shearer? Yeah, you, you, it's right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, but he would have done far more. They signed Solskjaer and they signed Sheringham off the back of not getting Shearer. Yeah, but the, the point is you're, essentially, you're saying it's done detrimental to his career, but he's still held in high regard than them. And they've got all these trophies and medals. So the whole argument on your premise is kind of built on, kind of forced from underneath it because he's got no medals in comparison and he's still held in high regard. He's not. He, he's, held in, he's held in a high regard in Newcastle, and when you look at so the, you don't you don't hold him in a higher regard than them than those two in particular. But when you look at greatness in total, then you take honors in you take honors into that. Yeah, but you were literally just talking about it's about trophies. Yeah, I'm and they they won trophies, trophies, but Shearer is without doubt held but held in I've said that regard. Shearer yeah. would be the main man. Right, right, Shearer right. would be far more, and he'd already have the Premier League on top of that. I tell you, right, I tell you what sets sets Shearer apart is. There will be another title winner. There will be another like cup winner, and there'll be another league winner. What Shear has done, we may not see that again. That's what makes I him unique and I, a legend. But I don't know what's so great about being Newcastle United's leading goalscorer. No, yeah, but the Premier League's the leading pre- goalscorer exactly. by a stretch, by a long way. Omri never got all close. the great strikers we had and played for the great teams, and he's played for the worst team out of those lot, and still is the highest scorer. And that's why the word a stain on his career is ridiculous because there is no stain on his career whatsoever. You you never know what could have happened if he you went could to say that in, in in the same regard then. So, and I know what Alex is going to say, but do you think Alan Shearer is the greatest striker then to play in the Premier League just because he's got that that accomplishment? I think you'd struggle to argue otherwise, other than maybe Henri. I think he's in the conversation, which is a big compliment for someone we said played for a team that hasn't won anything. But also, in a strange way, how does he move? He might actually, how you view him might become diluted because he becomes another another number. Say, if he does go to United, you put him in there, you say, okay, he was great, but he did also play alongside the other players. Or he was in a list with Cole, York, Solskjaer, Sheringham. So he becomes one of them. The fact that he's able to kind of stand out from that is... Maybe, I'm not saying it's because he said Newcastle, but it seems to have played a part. I, I don't know in that sense, though, because because my thing is, I'm not saying that Shearer isn't a ridiculously talented player. I'm just saying that he could have had far more of what he's done. Because you you can look at, say, Schmeichel, and you could say that, would you put any other keeper in that team and they're going to do the same? He was able to still stand out in a United team and have the greatness he is, and we still talk about him as one of the Premier League's greatest ever goalkeepers. So I would say if Shearer goes in, and obviously it's only what you would predict, but say you put Shearer in that team and you say he's doing this well at Newcastle, then you would imagine he's going to have done better at United. Then surely he would have then gone on to cement his greatness at United as well. But would he... He could even have gone back to Newcastle at the end of his career after winning trophies. He would never be seen as much of a legend as he is now though. Because not to to Newcastle, but say he goes on 
and he shows the greatness up top that Schmeichel showed in goal for United, then he's going to still be held in the same regard. If he did everything he did at Newcastle, he carried on scoring goals in the same manner at United, then he's, he's going to still be held in the same regard because he's going to have been a lethal goal scorer. With him moving to United hasn't necessarily stopped him becoming the Premier League's leading goal scorer. He could have still done that with United and he could have had a load of trophies to add on to the end of it. Yeah, but it puts him on a continuous trend of other players that have gone and done the same thing and it makes he stands apart less. And going back to your, your, I think your question was irrelevant because you're you're saying you're asking whether he was the best striker in, in the Premier League history. The fact that we're even asking the question, how can you associate that with a stain on his career at all? Because, I, I, like, it's like it's like saying, okay, right, say if you don't have him as the best striker in Premier League history, and you have Thierry Henry there. Every other player below that has a stain on their career. I'm saying the stain on his career is the the lack of trophies that he did that he could have gone on to achieve that he didn't. I, and to be fair, I think you're right in terms of he would have the same level of success individually at United as he would have had at Newcastle and in a better team. So I think he probably would have scored a similar amount of goals because maybe every, he's going to play every week for Newcastle where he might get rotated for United, for example. So I think you'd have a similar level of individual success. But I don't, I don't think he'd be viewed any differently from how he is now. I don't think the trophies are going to change your opinion of him. I think he is what he is in terms of how he's viewed. And I think that loyalty to one club has given him a sort of a uniqueness to his career that only a handful of players are going to be able to say they've had. It goes. I saw an article the other week when Cesc left Chelsea and it was something along the lines of, did Fabregas, is, is he a true Premier League great because he hopped around a few clubs? So he left Arsenal, went to Barca, then to Chelsea. And then they're doubting him for, is he a Premier League great? Of course he is. He was great at Arsenal, he was great at Chelsea. However, the fact that they're asking that question, that it puts it into doubt because he moved clubs. He didn't just stay at one club. So it's the same... I'm not sure who said that. It, 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 it was on Sky been, Sports News. It was in the same sort of premise as well, if you think. He left Arsenal, cleaned up in terms of trophy-wise at Barca, and then came back to Chelsea. <clears throat> it's kind of the very thing it's suggesting Shearer should have done. It's kind of what Sheringham did. He was at Spurs, went to United, cleaned up trophies, came back to Spurs. Obviously then did do a bit of a tour and got more clubs than Tiger Woods. But the the point was, you weren't looking at him suddenly in a more positive light because he'd gone to United and won things. You were looking at the same sort of player as you were kind of before and after, the two, the two spells at Spurs, for example. I mean, his, his goal-scoring record compared, he scored... 112 goals in 138 league goal in 138 league games for Blackburn, and at Newcastle he scored 148 in 303. So that's an extra 165 games for 36 goals. So I think that highlights the way that he slipped into mediocrity towards the end of his career. And I, I, I'll let you rebut it quickly, but then we can go on to Letitia because I, I think it's more an age thing. I'd say if if you had your sort of your sort of red hot years, probably at start at Newcastle and your time at Blackburn. It does. You got to allow for a certain amount of drop off into the physical wise as well. Yeah, because let's face yeah, it. Injury, how old was he when he retired? He still is exactly the same as he fucking does. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But he he didn't retire until what, like oh six or something like that. Do you, he didn't go on. So yeah. Before, the thing out. is, I I don't think we should slate him though for like the goals that he scored in his late of his career because I mean it's still the it's still the Premier League. You've yeah, scoring I'm, goals in the Premier League is no easy I task. I was saying to someone earlier actually, Messi and Ronaldo have kind of skewed our idea of go, goals to games sort of. Uh, yeah things as well because if we don't see it's like almost a goal a game we like it's not that good I mean the the way you're looking at me is if I'm saying that he 
is suddenly not not a good player. I'm just saying that he could have been held in such higher regard outside of Newcastle if he'd gone on to do more. But if we go on to Letizia... I I, I would be more inclined to agree with you in regard to Letizia than I am with Shearer. Yeah, we're about to get on to that because... No, no. What I'm saying is, I'm. I think Shearer is more of an outrageous statement than it than it is for Letizia. Well, that's that's why I thought. So I put it in because I think the Letizia one I, I find hard to disagree with, and that's just me. But when with the the Shearer one, obviously he does have the league title. So my thing that I kind of see is in basketball and the NFL. You see sometimes where a player is happy to collect their trophy and then once they've got that it's kind of like well that's done with now now I can go and no but if we if we go on to Letizia then so 209 goals in 462 appearances for Southampton eight caps for England he's worshipped and known as lay god by Saints fans spent his entire career at the Dell zero club honours only eight caps are you telling me that for him saving Southampton from relegation and being a club legend there, he couldn't have been so much more if he'd moved on because he had the chance to go to Chelsea and he had the chance to go to Tottenham. Did he have the work rate for it though? Well, that's a statement. Right. That's, he, he was clearly good enough. People held oh, yeah, him there's no, there's as no one doubt of the greatest of his, players of his ability because he, he scored those goals without ever breaking a sweat. I swear he never, <laughs> I swear he never ran. I just want to clarify that you are confirming Tottenham as a big club. Well, they're a big club in the Southampton, so don't get too early <laughs> yourself. <laughs> the year, the year that both clubs came in for him. So the 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 year that's supposed to have been the most prominent is the ninety five ninety six season going into there, where Southampton had just finished seventeenth. They'd just been saved from relegation. Seemingly, what what more can you do? Because Shearer, he had those, he had that year at the start. He had and he had a league title. So for him, you can kind of say. While I was trying to bring that league title to Newcastle, Letitia is literally going into each season competing just to just to stay afloat. But if it's your, obviously going back to the boyhood um, club comment, but surely if Arsenal were struggling to stay in the league and you were the one, you're essentially them holding in the them Premier up. League, you are effectively holding them up. You're that good that you're effectively holding them up in in the Premier League. Surely that is a huge sense of achievement for yourself. Do you leave because uh, some more successful club comes knocking? Is the question. What? I th- they, we, we're constantly told how selfish you have to be in in this career. We can't that, can well, I just point out the amount of times Byron slated Arsenal players for leaving to go to I said, play for I, either City, no, Chelsea? I said earlier, I said I can't criticise you for going to achieve it, but I can criticise the way you leave. And Letitia right. can have a look to those Southampton fans and say, what more can I do for you? It's, it's down to the club to invest and give him something to work with or it's down to him to to leave and say, well, look, I've done all I can. I think maybe part of that is also you're looking back retrospectively, though. For example, when some of those Arsenal players went to City, there was quite a bit of, <laughs> you were just fuming that they left, full stop. Which, at that point, you weren't saying they weren't going to a guaranteed winning team. So I can understand why you weren't happy with them, but it doesn't change the fact that it is, if you do leave a club like that, particularly if, like him, he would have been a Southampton fan growing up, people do view you differently. And I think that's the same with people like 
and there's other factors playing into going to play on no, but people like Nasri, Sanya, people cliche, people that left Arsenal at a time when City weren't necessarily a better team than them. We know the direction they were heading in. I think they became to be viewed very differently to people that have kind of toughed it out and stuck it out at Arsenal. I I do I do see that, but then like we're saying this is I mean this is all in hindsight now, so that's it. We are benefiting. So I can now see, and I can see with the say with I can say the same with like Van Persie. I can say the same with Fabregas and Lee. <clears throat> no, but, how their fans would have felt <clears throat> had the city But no, but I think I don't think they would have really been too critical of him. So when ninety five when Chelsea came in, they bid ten million for him, which would have been a um, record fee at that point. So. <clears throat> As fans, you you're not really going to criticise. I mean, you you weren't happy when Coutinho or Suarez left, but at the same time, you're going, "Well, we got that money from, we can reinvest." So, <clears throat> sorry, um, but so I think that Letitia is probably the the poster boy of just being comfortable. I think you're comfortable. You could do no wrong in their eyes. He could have, for a spell of about 10 games, got an own goal a game, and they still would have gone, well, it's, it's Letizia. And you look at that, I mean, there's a bit of a crossover episode here in that Blackburn tried to sign him to partner Shearer before Shearer left. Well, it depends what you so define. Shearer, blame Shearer for... It, dep- <laughs> it depends what you define as comfortable. I mean, comfortable in respect that he knows that he's getting in the squad every week, yes. But, and the influence that he has on the squad and the, the love of the fans that he has, but comfortable in terms of guaranteeing that he's going to be playing in the Premier League um, guaranteeing a certain wage guaranteeing a certain like guaranteeing that you might be able to achieve a trophy of some sort or some accolade not comfortable at all in his case I'd say he was living like, living right on the edge to a certain extent not to sound rude with a Chelsea fan in here either but going to Chelsea at that point was not a guarantee of success no I think we finished about 12th around that sort of time didn't we I didn't think it existed before 2004 Devin. again Twitter told me that but I don't know. Yourself. it wasn't a success but it was it was a step up I mean he, he was it's going I mean like with, with Spurs he was going into a team with sharing sharing them there so he was going into <laughs> a team with sharing them and the likes uh also, I can go through their squad. You've got some poor players in a night Yeah, you, you've got Sol Campbell in there. In Chelsea, you go in there with Wise. <laughs> There's some poor players Yeah, Rude Hullet, Rocky Rowcastle. So, I mean, you, you, you go from there and he, he has the chance and it's at least a step up and you can at least say, well, look, I gave it a go and I did try to go and win something because he had no chance of doing that at Southampton. To me, that's kind of like a bit of a not sideways move, but diagonal move. And if you're going to leave your boy club to go and it's going to surely going to have to be that I'm going to go somewhere where look, I couldn't turn this offer down. Whereas Chelsea or Spurs at the time wasn't that sort of move. It was a, like you said, bigger clubs in Southampton, but you aren't going somewhere you're guaranteed success. You're just going to be going to a place where, okay, you might well be playing, but are you going to achieve, are you going to win things which you wouldn't have won at Southampton? Probably not. You're probably not going to win anything there either. So then it's, did you gain anything by leaving your boy team behind? You're at least putting yourself in a position to try though. And he can at least then look back at it and say, well, at least I gave that a go. And at that point, they're, they're the clubs that we know of that came in for him. I'm sure. So I'm sure there was plenty of others. At that point then, he, he may well have had essentially a, a pick of the bunch. We can't officially say that, but those two of the the two teams we know that have gone in for him, they were certainly a step up from Southampton. And I don't think he owed them anything 
aside from what he'd already done. So my thing would be just at least give it a go. At least don't look back at the end of your career and say, I could have done so much more because Shearer has a league title to look back on. He has at least has that. What does Letizia have to look back on? I guess you can... You aren't, he isn't going to be called the god anywhere else. Even if he does go to a team and win things, he's not going to be remembered like that. I think that's part of the thing with Letizia is, kind of as Tarzan touched on earlier with his work rate, etc. He was always going to be what he was in terms of technically unbelievably gifted, not the most physically gifted and not going to put the work in necessarily. Now, in a bigger team, you might be a luxury that he can carry. But a lot of the big teams probably were looking at that thinking they're not going to take a chance on him. The England manager certainly didn't. If, mm. if you think, what, if you were going to have an England manager who was going to take a chance on that, you'd think Glenn Hodder would be the one because he was kind of that sort of player as well. And I think English football tends to neglect that type of player. So you think if any manager is going to pick me, it'd be Hodder. And he didn't. And he was playing week in, week out. We're going to be playing better than he was for Southampton. He still wasn't getting picked. So in his mind, is he thinking, if I go to a bigger club, they don't really fancy me as much. What is that going to improve my England chances? Well, he, he, he said, he said, um, I turned down Spurs and then Terry became the next England manager. And then in 95, Chelsea wanted to buy me and Glenn Hoddle was the manager of Chelsea. I turned them down and he became the England manager after that. So he made the he made he made the rod for his own back, but with the England thing, it's he he himself has come out and said that essentially after he wasn't picked um, for the Euros, and he he just sulked. He he had the he had the game against Italy where he had an absolute stinker, and I think the way that he's given up there has shown that he didn't he clearly didn't have that real fight in him. He was prepared to have what he had because we can say that the there was the risk of going down with Southampton. He was going to have a get-out clause then because someone else would have come in from there. And if they went down, they were never going to blame him, were they? They were going to say, essentially, look, they all gave it their best. Letitia, if it wasn't for him, we'd have probably been down even further. They weren't going to slate him. He was in a position where he was risking no critique at all. Because and if anything... Shoulders every week was created to be the man every week, which you want. You can defer on a better team. Well, so, you can, so basically, he just enjoyed being the big fish... He said that before, though, hasn't he? That it, he he enjoyed being the big fish in the small pond. And that's is, is, nothing, is, is, that's is nothing the, to be proud no, of. No, but is that is there something so wrong with that? Yes. What? 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 Why? Because you're supposed to push yourself. You're supposed to push yourself and be as good as you can. But to be fair, he's pushed himself to far to be a professional footballer in the top league. So yeah. he's, he's got a certain and amount of drive to do that. He's pushed himself to be the ninety-nine point nine percent people won't do that. Yeah. No, to be we, a professional footballer for his boyhood club. So. Hang on, if we're, if we're giving props out to everyone who's become a professional footballer, we may as well pack this in on a Monday because we've been going in on Andy Carroll for the past <laughs> half an hour. Yeah, but at the same time, you can't really slate him. It, it depends how you I think hold... What you're quantifying success is, is, is the thing. Yeah. I think you've essentially, throughout this topic, you've essentially just labelled trophies as the be all end in terms of success. It's where you measure it as. If you measure it as being comfortably your club's greatest ever player, if you grew up watching them and you wanted to play for them, and you wanted to be the greatest player, that probably be, as a kid, probably would have been the thing you dreamed of. Then he achieved that, didn't he? So he couldn't really have done any more. And if he had left, that would have actually, on the flip side to your question, left a stain on the career in terms of, that would have affected how he's viewed that. But do you, my thing is, of course, it's good to get on and be a professional footballer, but it's it's like when they say, in, in boxing, do you get into boxing to go in and win a WBC Intercontinental or do you get into boxing to go and be the heavyweight champion of the world? So your goals are always going to be there and your goal should always be to push yourself as far as you can. And I'd say if his ability-wise, he wasn't good enough 
to be a main feature for any of the top clubs, then I would fully understand you saying, right, I'd rather be the main guy here at Southampton than go and be a half a half based guy at some of the other places. But the money that they've bid for him at the time, in a time where the money wasn't really there, show that they're looking to him to come in and be the main guy. So clearly the talent was there. Clearly the opportunity was there for him. So it's not like he was maxing his ability in a small place. He was really not utilising his ability and he's just left it there just out to dry. Because we've seen we've seen some of these players who were featuring at a big club. So at Newcastle, I mean, people are revering Paul Dummett as a club legend <laughs> recently. It's because, because he's played a load of games there. So, I mean... I think that's a bandy around Right, if if trophies and title trophies mean so much in terms of like defining achievement, when you think of the all-time best players in the world, you think of Messi and Ronaldo now. You don't think of the amount of league titles and Champions Leagues that they've won. I think you think about them as an individual. That's what you do with Shearer, and that's what you do with Letizia. Well, I you think do, you don't need you do you, you think of, examples, but someone like Gerard, for example, is. Yeah, you did. You'd never. You're always going to regard him as. You'd never. You'd never deny that. He's won a Champions League, so if he hadn't won a Champions League, we'd be holding that. Yeah, but you'd always say that he wanted to win the Premier League, and you. you, I don't think it affects how you view him as a player either. Yeah, I think you'd still you'd view him as what he is, regardless of that. It's obviously a huge. One of the big things of Gerard, though, the the main image you think of when you think of Gerard is him lifting that Champions League. Yeah, right, 2005, and so he's kind of fortunate. His boy, a club. The main, yeah, the main issue you think of, the main thing you think of when you think of Shearer is him celebrating, and that could be against Cheltenham Town in a friendly on a Wednesday night, or it could have been against United in the FA Cup final if he'd if he'd been there. So it's like I think we sometimes as well looking back on Letizia, though, I think we look at it slightly wrong. I think we look at it as he didn't get the move to the bigger club because he didn't want it, wasn't ambitious enough, or whatever. In truth, I think his career was probably a case of. And I'd liken it to people like maybe Joe Cole, someone who in English football at the time we had certain formations we played, we played four four two or whatever, and if you don't fit into what we want, then you're not gonna play and you're certainly not gonna play to the best of your ability. Letizia was he wasn't an out and out striker, he you couldn't play him in the centre midfield on the zone, you couldn't play him on the wing. He was kind of a guy who was gonna want freedom, want to play it where he wanted. I don't know that going to a top club at that point would have been beneficial for him. I don't I don't know how much different... I don't think clubs would have shifted for him. And I think he would have had to try and shift for them. And as we saw at international level, that didn't tend to happen. So is forcing him to move out of Southampton and go into these clubs, is that going to change how he's used? I think he's one of those players who he always is what he is. A sort of a, a Rolls Royce, but it's only going to do so many miles for you. you if, if you gave it a go and it doesn't work, though, you can say you've given it a go and you can know that and then you can go and have that after. Yeah, but you're impl- he gave it a go where he was in a he different didn't... way. And it, you, you, can't, you can't know what his ambition... To say he's not ambitions is not right at all because you don't know what his ambitions and, were. And this, it's kind of the stain thing. Is kind of, that then stains his career because you say, well, you tried at a higher level, couldn't, couldn't manage. And then you came calling back to your boy club, which is presumably what the premise was going to be. Which, that's not a good look, is it? And it, like that, without a shadow of a doubt, you could probably ask every footballer. There's probably something that they wanted to achieve that they didn't achieve, or there was something that they like, would have liked to have had the chance to go and achieve, but they didn't get to. That's just that's that's life in general. Sure, most of them gave it a go. 
Yeah, but not did, many. we not just many implied that Letizio, ga- Letizio gave it a go in a different way. It's not, and once again, it's def- you're defining what he chose as being ambitious. You're yeah. you're you're literally narrowing being ambitious to winning a trophy. Well, he's, that might have been the extent of his ambition. It might have been to play for Southampton and spend my career there. If that was the case, then he hasn't. He couldn't achieve more. But do you not feel your ambition should match your talent? So do you not feel that your ambition should be, say, on a parallel with your talent? So the greater your talent, then the more ambitious you should be. I'm not saying that I should go down there at five-a-side on a Monday I, night I, and I say, all right, well, I should be playing in the best team down I, here. I don't, I don't think talent and ambition need to be mentioned or should be mentioned in the same sense. They're completely two different things. You can be have zero talent and be ridiculously ambitious and still achieve that ambition. But it then, tends to go that way as well. Exactly. The talented players seem to have more and then the more naturally gifted ones are obviously a little bit, maybe not lazy, maybe not the word, but that sort of thing. But then do you not feel we also... So we lament a player like Hatem Ben Arthur, who appears to have all the talent in the world and isn't and doesn't have the drive or desire to put in a shift every week and keep himself in shape. So you saying essentially if he says, Well, my ambitions are that I wanted to be a Premier League footballer, then you just settle with that because surely your ability should match your ambitions and you should he has the talent, then he should want to go and be as good as he can be. But I think the criticism with him is more, like you said, the physical thing, but also that he's become a kind of a bit of a journeyman where he's gone around different clubs, whereby if he had, say, if he was a Leon fan and he played for Leon his whole career and he said, look, I don't want to leave and carried on like that, that would be a... The best link I could make would be to Francesco Totti. If you think we constantly lament players who were disloyal, we, he's had more praise than anybody for being loyal to Roma. No doubt he could have won more elsewhere. Would he be viewed in the same way he is? Certainly by Roma fans, but also wider. I definitely don't think he would be. So no. And once again, so it, I'm just more Roma, but it's that same mindset. And once again, it's such a, that's such a unique thing. Think of yeah, all the players that we think of of him in front of in terms of just strikers in Italy alone or strikers in the world alone. You think of him in like as you think of him as the quintessential, uh, quintessential best striker. Is, is he is is his career going to benefit from say if he moves to winter or Juve for a couple of seasons and win a couple of league titles in that time. I don't think he's viewed any differently with or without that. Going into a more relatable way of thinking about it. I'm going to have to wind this one. It's going to be okay. real nice. So, obviously, at your work, what, like, if you're thinking... You're going to get me in trouble here. <laughs> okay. Maybe someone... Out, like, I, 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 answer <laughs> for a friend. Um, so... Are your ambitions to get promoted and push yourself, or is it just to go in, do your job, and enjoy yourself when you go home, and be able to afford to go to Barcelona, afford to go to Marseille, or whatever, you, whatever you oh, want to do, spend your money myself. on? Would you? Yeah, if I had the chances there to go on within my role and achieve a lot more, then yeah, I'd, 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 but then I, I don't have a passion for my job, so it doesn't really equate. Also, he would. He would be the classic case of if you chose one circumstance in which you're comfortable in and one circumstance in which you're going to be far less comfortable but more ambitious, you'd probably go for the comfortable option. But that's slightly different to what we're talking about. Yeah, I've, as long I've as you... lived my life taking the comfortable route, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that, yeah, that's yeah. why, and that's why I'm not a. I, <laughs> I, I don't have ambitions of being anything other than what I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what that's so, what so, supposedly sets us apart. So from why why would you push yourself then? Why don't I have the talent to be able to do it? I think you're one of the best facilities management guys I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm saying. Company. That's why I was saying that, that what supposedly sets us apart from these guys is that they're supposed to be almost a different breed in that they've worked, they've got that drive to get themselves this position. So why get yourself there and then halt and say, but well, it, I could go further, but it's actually quite nice. That, that's that's assuming that. Uh, hang on, if if it was their ceiling, then I I would absolutely take it. I mean that in terms of their ambition. I don't mean in terms of their talent. Oh, that might okay. be what they were aiming at in terms of what they were yeah. looking for. So if that, that, that might be all they ever wanted it, to then, achieve. If that's it, then fair enough. But my I would have a criticism of them then for not being ambitious enough. But if but you, then that's down to you as a person, isn't it? So, no, that, that, so ambition is completely um, subject to whoever. If, if Van Persie had stayed at Arsenal, I don't think we would have necessarily criticised him for not being ambitious enough. We'd have probably said, "Oh, he wanted to stick it out and tough it out at Arsenal, and who'd shown him a lot of loyalty to that point with injuries, etc." And try and win something with them. Instead, he's gone to United and won a title there. We 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 could have said, "Oh, he was disloyal." And it's 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 assuming that Letizia didn't want to push himself okay he didn't want to push himself but that could have been for many different reasons that could have been because he's perfectly happy with his home life in Southampton and he's happy he's just happy there so what what is wrong with being happy he's earning enough money to like playing at Southampton why why does he need to force himself to do something where he may not be happy the thing is as well like everybody's path to success in their head is going to be different like you know, it doesn't matter how deluded it may seem to us, but we don't know what Letizia's intentions were, and motivations were. So it's yeah, it's, you can't really, you don't, you're not going to know. We we'll have to well, ask the question, aren't we? Yeah. So uh, I can ask myself. Uh, <laughs> did we change your mind? You didn't. <laughs> you were making a fist of it. In fact, um, Alex, I might have to have a little word with you after. I want to motivate you to help you get to where you are because what you've said today, I'm a bit worried for you. <laughs> My motivations do not need to be questioned. So you agree? If he needs, if he needs to leave Passion Fit to get to the Olympics, he'll be leaving. Oh, we know he. he we know he's got no loyalty. He said he'd go to China last week for a bit more money. All right, we'll uh, wrap that one up. And in all, in all honesty, we had some other things on the agenda, but uh, right. they, they, we, we've overran. So uh, on that note. As always, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. If you could give us a uh, like, a repost, a share, all that business on Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes, then we'll be eternally grateful. Um, Townsend, welcome back anytime. Uh, We've got Ben Jones on next week, so that could be interesting. We'll see uh, what happens with Alex when uh, someone knows just how to get under his skin. Uh, Alex, do you have your change your mind topic for us or... I don't. Let's just let's see what happens in the week first. Yeah, because you were uh, you criticised this topic and you got quite into it. So uh, yeah, no, I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. All right. So uh, yeah. Thanks again, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you. <laughs>